Welcome to the Ethical Invest podcast. Your time to catch up on the latest tips, trends, research, and action steps to incorporate ethical and responsible investments in financial advice and investment portfolios. I'm Alexandra Brown, and I support financial advisors to build their ESG and ethical investment toolkit so they can deliver powerful, impactful advice with confidence. In this episode, we chat with four advisors from the Ethical Advisors Co-op, all experts in ethical and responsible investment about the value of engagement for their clients and how this enhances their service offering. Clients appreciate having an advisor that speaks on their behalf, one who cares about some of the same issues and is willing to participate in meaningful engagement with product providers. Fund managers generally appreciate the value of advisors engaging with them. They get to understand what clients are looking for without having to connect to each investor. Clients get improved products that match more closely with their values and advisors can present personalized advice and recommend products that truly align with the issues they want to support or avoid. It's a win-win situation. Engagement helps advisors deeply understand the products they are recommending and talking to fund managers and BDMs and critically looking at underlying holdings and processes helps advisors avoid the greenwash and protect their clients. There is so much value in engagement and advisors who haven't embraced this area yet are definitely in for a treat in this episode. What about client advocacy? Is it okay for clients to hold shares in harmful companies to get their voice heard? Have you heard of ACCR or market forces and the great work they do in shareholder advocacy and also how they collaborate with investors and work with advisors to influence companies towards improving their ESG performance, their environmental, social and governance credentials? This is episode two of a three-part series for Ethical Investment Week 2022. Ethical Investment Week is coordinated by the Ethical Advisors Co-op, a group of leading advisors across Australia and New Zealand who specialise in advice that aligns client values with ethical and responsible investments. This year, Ethical Investment Week is themed You and Your Advisor. I hope you enjoy this episode on engagement and financial advice with our guests, Adam Carey, Dr. Roger Spiller, Catherine Fitch-Daniels and Karen McLeod, all specialist ethical investment advisors and members of the Ethical Advisors Co-op. Our first guest today is Adam Carey. Adam is a financial advisor with Ethical Investment Services. He has a master's degree in financial planning from Deakin University, specialising in socially responsible investment. His thesis evaluated how Australian socially responsible managed funds screen their investments. He now enjoys helping his clients select investments that reflect their personal and ethical values. Welcome to today's episode, Adam Carey. Oh, thanks very much, Alexandra. Lovely to be here. Today, we're going to be talking about engagement and we're going to kick off this discussion with what do you feel is the value of engagement for your clients? I think the real value of engagement for clients is I really want to see that you're advocating on their behalf. I think a lot of people feel a bit powerless. They can't do anything of their own volition. So they feel that you know, there's some collective benefit. And, and to be honest, there, there really is. Um, you know, I've sort of often said to clients, you, know, you can threaten companies and fund managers with lawsuits and all the rest of it. 
But if you take money away from, it's a far more effective way of, of promoting change. Um, you know, an example of that probably recently was we were engaging with a fund that had just taken on Lockheed Martin as an investment. And when we noticed this, we, we spoke to them and sort of pointed out the uh, implications of that because it really didn't fit, you know, where their fund was going, but also that we would have to recommend to our clients that we exit the fund. And obviously we weren't the only ones, but it certainly added to the pressure. And, and uh, we got a call about a week or two later saying it's out. So that's, uh, we couldn't have done it individually, but collectively uh, we, we achieved a great goal. And I got some fantastic feedback from clients when we also communicated that. What a great outcome for, for that to happen. As an ethical advisor, you really are in between your clients and these product providers. And I love the line, you can take money away from them. It's far more effective, far more effective way to create change. And the fact that they listened because together there is that, that influence. So that's a great outcome. No, that's right. The other thing you really need to think about of engagement with clients is it's not actually just you engaging with them, it's them engaging with you. And your clients actually have a lot to learn. A lot of my clients are actually working in fields that are related to some of these areas, whether it be Indigenous and uh, medical fields uh, and so forth. And I guess another good example might be was we recommended a stock that was using a distributor. And one of my clients came back, who's a professor in public health, and said, you know, this their distributor uh, was convicted for opioid, pushing opioids in the US. Um, and we weren't aware of that, but obviously through his research, he, he understood it. So we could take that back and, and, and not recommend to clients to do it or make them aware that this is what's going on and, and they could therefore make their own choices around that. So, so engagement can happen two ways. And I think it's always good. To, the more people you talk to, the more value you can provide to your clients because you can share this information. And we're just, we're just not the, the repository of it. We're, we're sort of more like a sharing platform. What a brilliant insight as well. And I think that helps other advisors in this space maybe be a little bit more comfortable in that the client can sometimes be the expert in some of these topics because in general, if it's something that they really care about, like the medical industry or anything like that, then they have this expertise that they can bring to the table and creates that two-way conversation, which I think is really valuable. That's right. In what ways do you, as an ethical advisor, engage with product providers? You've given us uh, some examples. Is there any other examples that you would have to share? Well, it's fair to say that every um, product provider or fund manager we actually meet with and talk with, it's really important for us to see that ethical investment is in their DNA. Um, the difficulty and the academic research actually pointed this out very early on, those, those funds that you know, have a, a chief investment officer who sits across mainstream funds and ethical funds, you know, how are they all of a sudden ethical when they're over here dealing with this ethical fund and then happy to go and buy Whitehaven Coal over in this fund? Um, and you've got to have the governance processes certainly around that. And, and you, you mentioned some of the research I did many years ago. Um, it actually wasn't the number of people in uh, their ethical teams or their ESG teams that helped. It's actually where they're stationed in their organisation. So do you have someone on the investment committee who's 
got an ethical focus and who's got a almost a power of veto over certain investments. Uh, that's a really important thing to look for. Um, but in our meetings with, with those sort of fund managers and how we engage with them, we'll discuss things like controversial stocks uh, and understand their rationale for buying them. Sometimes they've got very good reasons for buying them. And it's their view that they can promote change. But virtually every fund manager will tell you, oh, they're buying this stock because they want to change things from the inside. But I would say only very few actually do. It's just a bit of a throwaway line. So you've got to look very critically at those fund managers who say things like that. Um, you know, to me, uh, you have to really be on the ball, do your research before they come in, ask them for a full list of holdings. I'm sort of the guy who runs through every line item, every holding, and will try and hold them to account and understand that. And, and again, you know, talked about before learning from from clients we learn from fund managers as well they've got great research capability in ESG and there may be things that you you need to take on board as well so um, uh, it's good just just talk to people keep talking to people that's how you be a good good advisor and and uh, have good conversations with your clients excellent excellent tips there and and lastly just to wrap up do you help your clients with their own shareholder advocacy? Um, yeah, we do. Uh, it's fair to say a lot of our clients don't have very controversial investments because we don't recommend them and, and they come to us to actually sort of green, for want of a better word, their portfolios. But we do have some clients that will instruct us to buy. It's a bit difficult for us to say, oh, buy Whitehaven Coal when we haven't done the, done the research on the company and then they do it. There's some regulatory issues that we've got to, to deal with and, uh, and you know, um, duty of care to clients, but if they say, I want to participate in this, we buy the shares, they'll, they'll invest, or they might have a partner or a friend who's got it that they'll use, and, and then we'll sort of give them the links. Uh, we work with ACCR um, and market forces and those groups via directly or via the Ethical Advisors Cooperative. Um, there'll be some information going around as to, to how to go about it, and we'll share that and maybe help them out individually if they're struggling with, with how to do that. So, um, you know, we're, we're sort of quite keen to, to support that. And we also sort of advertise some of these things in our newsletters, on some of our social channels. We might retweet uh, things that are going on so the clients can make up their own mind around some of these sort of advocacy type arrangements. Sounds like an excellent service to help clients to have a voice with some of these companies that they really disagree with uh, what they're doing. Thank you so much, Adam. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we finish up? Uh, just with, um, you know, engagement, I'd really just sort of summarise by saying it's just a two-way thing. Keep talking to people. Um, I guess be respectful. Um, we can find people who get very... Um, motive and worked up and I actually think there's a lot of climate anxiety around at the moment which is driving people and and, and really just applying some common sense and, and understanding but um, you've also got to be prepared to call things out when they need calling out and, and having that voice and and you as an advisor are, are a conduit for that and we're, we're an enabler. Fantastic thank you so much Adam for joining us today. 
Thanks very much, Alexandra. Lovely talking to you. Next up, we're speaking with Dr. Roger Spiller. Dr. Spiller holds a PhD in ethical investment and ethical business and has played a key role in the investment industry for decades. He founded Money Matters in 1990 with a clear goal in mind to help his clients do well and do good. He was a member of the Securities Commission and a director of the Responsible Investment Association Australasia, RIA, for more than 10 years. Dr. Spiller has been recognised as New Zealand's foremost advisor based on conventional investment criteria, winning the inaugural Good Returns Financial Planner of the Year Award. His credentials in ethical investment were also recognised nationally when he won the inaugural Mindful Money Best Ethical Financial Advisor Award. Welcome, Roger. It is great to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Alexandra. This episode is all about engagement, and I'd love to know what do you feel is the value of engagement for your clients? Engagement is a key strategy to bring about significant change. Clients look to us to add additional value and demonstrate that that value is being added through the funds that we're recommending by reporting back to them on engagement activities and the outcomes, the impact, so that they can see that their money is really making a difference, that their voice is being represented, not only to the fund managers, but also to the directors and senior management of the underlying companies in which the funds are invested. I've been speaking to other advisors in the episode too, and I think the critical part of that is that you as an advisor are the link between clients and the fund managers. In what ways do you as an ethical advisor engage with product providers? We have close relationships with the funds management community, particularly those who are most committed to you know, authentic ethical investment and to moving beyond the greenwash and the PR that we see so often and the regulators have highlighted as a particular issue. So they look to me as someone who has a large group of clients with significant insights themselves, those clients about the world and what they're looking to achieve with their money how they want to make a difference as well as make money. And the managers know that I know those clients. Obviously, it's a big job for any fund manager to go and speak to large numbers of individual clients. So they get to hear from me the perspective of the clients and have that represented. And I explain the perceptions that I have of the strengths and weaknesses of that particular fund manager, they're generally very open to hearing that because it's essentially free consulting and they get the opportunity to improve. Um, here in New Zealand, I'm the only advisor that's part of the Ethical Advisors Co-op. So they are looking to me at a funds management level to better understand what the co-op does, to particularly take them through the Greenleaf ratings and they're excited about you know, what they see occurring within the co-op and are keen to ensure that in due course, in New Zealand-based managers alongside the Australian-based 
managers will be you know considered within that framework i obviously consider them myself from that perspective i also share with the local fund managers world best practice from leading ethical fund managers out of the uk or europe or the states and having studied those managers in depth myself over many many years and known some of them since you know, the late 80s when i first got involved and started doing my academic research and investment industry work i've got an insight and ability to share with the funds management community here is what it really means to be a pioneer what it really means to be at the forefront and to encourage them to adopt that world best practice and of course when they are creating new funds locally or there are managers internationally out of australia that are bringing their funds across to new zealand oftentimes those managers are talking with me and saying well we know you're a committed pioneer in the space can we partner up and can you help to provide the necessary money that we need to work through the viability of introducing our fund in new zealand dealing with all the particular legislative requirements and other costs that are required to have a fund here and my clients feel very um, keen to be pioneering with their investment money to bring these new funds to the market and then make those available for you know other clients and other advisors it's so great to hear of the the change that you're creating in new zealand and the influence that this is having and the benefit it is to your clients as well and obviously the free consulting to the product providers i'm sure they i'm sure they like that too um, you did mention the the leaf ratings from the co-op and if anyone's listening and wanted to check them out it's uh, leafratings.org and there you'll find the survey results of the ethical advisor co-op advisors who are all specialists in in ethical investment and how they would rate different funds and superannuation funds as well on the level of how ethical they are so as a as a client as an average ethical client how would they view this fund it's very interesting to have a look at and i highly recommend i will pop the link down the bottom in the show notes for you roger just to finish off this one do you do you help your clients with shareholder advocacy and and if you do how would you how do you do that at money matters all of our clients money is invested through managed funds those managed funds are expected to be active in representing the interests of our clients and we look to their voting and other activity as shareholders to ensure that they're doing what we expect and where they aren't we have some heart-to-hearts um, with them. We are also very mindful of the great work that goes on in the co-op um, amongst the various advisory firms and the initiatives that are happening in terms of shareholder advocacy and seek to you know, link into some of those engagements, particularly in relation to fund managers, where we might see a fund manager 
as already a leader in the space, thinking of the LEAF ratings, they might already be rated quite highly, but there might be particular stocks that they're holding that co-op members identify as being of particular concern. And collectively, we can essentially advocate to the managers that they ought to be taking more action you know, as shareholders in those particular companies. And ultimately, if they're not getting the satisfaction that we're seeking, then potentially to divest you know, from those companies. So there's some great activity that can happen at the collective level of the co-op and in conjunction with the fund managers. Our clients typically aren't coming to us and saying, you know, I've got shares in company X, uh, will you help me do the voting for that? Uh, my clients uh, essentially delegate that uh, to the fund managers and knowing that I'm going to represent their interests at the fund manager level. Is there anything more that you'd like to share with us about the value of your engagement? Fund managers, I think, can benefit from some feedback about how we as objective experts perceive their funds and that can also be helpful for clients so i've designed a system which positions funds on a spectrum from what i call ethical light lower impact to ethical medium medium impact and ethical strong higher impact and i can tell the fund manager you know why they are where they are so if you just bear with me just some brief definitions. You know, what does it mean to be ethical light? Well, I'm saying to the fund manager, look here, you know, this ESG, environmental, social and governance orientation is really about enhancing risk-adjusted returns. That's the primary name of the game. The negative screening, the exclusions, the avoidance, it's really just like the most unethical activities like tobacco production oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's often above a relatively low bar or threshold so very light touch and of course those portfolios have a large number of the largest number of holdings because they're not excluding you know very much out there and they tend to have a relatively low level of engagement with companies to encourage change so that can be frustrating for ethical investors and furthermore, there's less voting in favour of shareholder proposals for environmental and social action. And these funds certainly don't have a focus on the highest positive impact companies. So we can move from that group and say, well, to step up, you need to think about ESG factors, not just in terms of enhancing risk-adjusted returns, but also really increasing your allocation, putting your money where your mouth is to those firms that are deemed best in class, the ethical leaders. And those leaders are going to have a more positive impact, certainly a less negative impact than their industry peers. And the negative screening, the exclusions, avoidance in this context has many unethical activities and usually at a medium sort of bar or threshold. There's more significant engagement with companies to encourage change, more voting in favour of shareholder proposals for environmental and or social action. But again, these funds aren't including a focus on the highest positive impact companies. And then we get to the top of the pops, if you like, from the perspective of a specialist ethical advisor or the LEAF ratings. 
and here we've got the ethical strong higher impact funds and these are the poster children they're considering esg factors applied to sustainability themed investing they're selecting companies that are demonstrably providing solutions to sustainability challenges companies whose reason for being is to focus on having a measurable positive impact typically on the achievement of the un sustainable development goals here the negative screening the exclusions the avoidance is a very wide range of unethical activities at the highest bar or threshold there's a higher level of engagement with companies the highest level of engagement to encourage change and strong voting in favor of shareholder proposals for environmental and or social action so for my investors who are wanting that engagement from me with the underlying fund managers they know we've had those conversations they know we've done that categorization and the challenge is there for fund managers to decide where they want to be positioned but it helps to move beyond the greenwash and the spin where everybody is saying, of course, we are absolutely, quote unquote, ethical. That is exceptionally valuable. Thank you so much, Roger, for talking us through your three-category process. It's uh, fantastic to hear that. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Alexandra. We'll be right back to our guest discussions in a moment, but first, a quick message to let you know this episode is brought to you by the Ethical Advice Accelerator, the number one program for Australian financial advisors ready to uplevel their knowledge and skills in ESG, sustainability, and ethical investment advice. Ethical investment options are becoming non-negotiable in financial advice, and advisors who specialize in this are in high demand. This program is designed to equip you with the skills and toolkit you need to add this to your services quickly. The Accelerator is 100% advisor-focused and brings everything you need in one spot, making it the most effective and time-efficient way to become a sought-after leader in ethical investment advice. Visit ethicalinvestgroup.com forward slash accelerator to learn more. Now, back to Alexandra Brown and our expert advisors. Joining us now is Catherine Fitch-Daniels. Catherine is a certified financial planner at Ethinvest, a leading advice firm that specializes in impact and ethical investment advice. Catherine joined Ethinvest in 2021 with more than 10 years experience as a financial advisor and having worked in the financial planning industry since 2004. Catherine has been a certified financial planner since 2008 and has comprehensive experience managing SMSFs and trusts as well as personal tax planning for clients and prides herself on providing tailored financial advice to clients within their ethical framework to meet their financial goals now and into retirement. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Alexandra. In this episode, we're looking at engagement, and we'd love to know what do you feel is the value of engagement for your clients? So Ethinvest has been around for over 30 years. So with a name like Ethinvest, you know, we've been doing ethical advising for a very long time. Well, we probably specialize more in the deep green client market. So we have the facilities to be able to generate a lot of research on ethical investing as well as impact investing um, with our Australian impact investments company. We 
provide each client not just the standard financial profile for each of their holdings, but we have an ethical profile which details uh, policies, um, ESG credentials, any flags that have been raised in the past about a company, just giving people more of an idea around how it fits in the ethical space as well as being a good financial investment. Uh, we also do tailored portfolios. So it means that every client has a different portfolio based on their ethical considerations and it involves a lot of client impacts uh, input. So while they don't need to go out and research things, but they might suggest a few holdings they're interested in, it means we can present them some of our best options and then they can say yes or no based on their ethical consider ethical considerations. So in what ways do you as an ethical advisor engage with product providers? So we, like most advisors, have fund managers come and present to us whether they're existing funds that we use or, or new funds that are coming on the market. The good news is there is a lot more ethical investment options in the managed fund space coming out, but it also means that we have to really do our homework to make sure that they're passing our very high bar. And of course, we're very aware if there's any greenwashing involved. Um, we have a lot of fund manager engagement also through the Ethical Advisors Co-op and, and the Leaf Ratings website. But we also engage with fund managers on a, an assertive level. So we will tell them what we think might need to change to, if we're not in that fund, what would need to change for us to start recommending it for clients or what they're promoting. Um, we don't kind of hold back <laughs> with, with letting them know what we think. Um, most of the time it's, it's appreciated. <laughs> sounds, ag sounds aggressive. We're not aggressive about it, but. <laughs> no. And at the end of the day, these, are, this is, you're really the voice of your client, aren't you? And expressing what your clients want and need. And that's helping these product providers anyway, understand the market. So I think it, it's a win-win. Certainly. They, they're not speaking to clients directly, so they don't know what clients actually want. They're, they're estimating this, this is what they want. That's right. Yeah, it's a really, it's an integral role that you play actually between the client and the product provider. So it's great. Do you have any examples of engagement with product providers and any outcomes to share? Yeah, certainly. So recently, BetaShares has come out with a uranium ETF, uh, which is fine. And there is scope for, for people who are, are for uranium. But the way they're promoting it is is a bit concerning. They sent an, an email promotion about it, uh, trying to debunk some myths about uranium and nuclear, which was probably really pushing it because uh, nuclear energy is never going to be fully safe uh, and it it has a lot of waste and it has a lot of exposure to be then used and weaponized. So we did write to them and say, we think this was pretty badly worded. Um, yes, there is scope for this investment. We're not going to tell you not to promote it, not promote it, but probably watch how you, how you promote it. Um, I also, I attended the Wilson Asset Management AGM a couple of months ago because they've got two funds, the Future Generation Investments, which sound good and they, they're, the fund managers donate their time and um, they donate profits to good causes. The problem is the underlying investments aren't actually screened or 
anything at all. And I think a lot of people go in thinking, oh, this is, you know, the fund that is is helping not-for-profits, but they're doing that with with gambling stocks and and um, fossil fuel stocks. And so I stood up and asked the question and got a, a big kind of, oh, we're looking into it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so so we we're not afraid to to ask the question there's only been one real solar energy stock available to retail clients uh, that's new energy solar so we've had a huge exposure into this holding they're having to wind up now sadly not because the, there was anything wrong with the solar farms but they were set up under a another advisory firm that is in a lot of trouble and a lot of their clients have had to sell out so we're looking at the options for the clients and we noticed that this old advisory had quite a large fee attached to the wind-up of this fund. So we wrote to the advisory saying, well, because this has been, it's, a, it's been a bit of a failure based on your setup and, and your failure to look after your clients, we don't really think you should be charging $10 million to exit this fund, uh, to close this company. And, we went back and forth and they were not budging. So we have let journalists know when it made the paper. <laughs> um, we And we, we had our managing director, Trevor, ask um, a question at the, at the special meeting yesterday about it as well. So, yeah, we're definitely willing to, to ask questions <laughs> and, and especially for a holding that, could have been a great story and unfortunately has just been let down. The excellent examples of how ethical advisors really just go that extra mile and engage with with product providers and all those in between to get the best for their clients. Do you help your clients with their own shareholder advocacy? Yeah, we certainly do. So while we have a lot of ethical clients, we have a lot of unconstrained clients as well. And also a lot of people inheriting shares from their parents that may not align with their own ethical considerations. So uh, we might work out a plan of a way to start selling them down, but we'll also utilise the shareholder advocacy that they currently have. So we work with market forces, um, the ACCR and GetUp for when they want to raise um, questions at AGMs and and put through uh, votes. So we have a list of clients who hold the shares just for advocacy purposes. So they hold the minimum $500 um, and together with the, the companies raising the votes, we, we can help them get it, get it, raised at the AGM we also let clients how it's progressing so we have a we bring it up in our newsletter and we have a specific page on our website which talks about all the shareholder advocacy we've been a part of and whether it's market forces or or ACCR what their what the outcomes were so it lets clients know that it's it's working and also it just it's easiest it's easier for us to do it rather than clients having to you know do these things because obviously if we working directly with the advocacy groups we can know exactly what's going on quickly if we need to buy into it or things like that so uh, clients appreciate that that's an an easy service for us to run that sounds great sounds like a really supported way 
uh, for your clients to make a difference with their money and you as advisors help them through the whole process. So this means that they could uh, have a small parcel of shares in, say, a fossil fuel company, and that gives the campaigners a voice at the table. It sounds like a win-win to me. Well, thank you, Catherine, so much for sharing about engagement today. Uh, it sounds like a wonderful, supportive way to help your clients really make a difference. Thanks, Alexandra. Our final guest for this episode is Karen McLeod. Karen is a certified financial planner and certified advisor with the Responsible Investment Association of Australasia, RIA, and has specialised in ethically screened investments since 2009. Karen sits on the Investment Committee for Ethical Advisors Funds Management and assists with researching ethical investments. Karen drives engagement with fund managers and companies on environmental, social and governance issues via the Ethical Advisors Corp. And she has served for 10 years on the RIA board and certification panel. In 2020 and 2019, she was awarded a place in the Financial Standard FS Power 50 Advisor list. And she looks after ethical investors across the country from her practice in Brisbane. Welcome, Karen McLeod. Thank you, Alexandra. Great to be here. In this episode, we're discussing engagement. And what do you feel is the value of engagement for your clients? That is a big question and a great question. I, I think the value of engagement is enormous and actually very underrated by um, advisors in our industry that haven't um, participated in any engagement. Um, when I came to this space, I guess 15 odd years ago, um, I didn't know what engagement was. I'd never heard of engagement and certainly um, could never have imagined um, how meaningful being an advisor that uh, works for their client on engagement issues could be so meaningful and powerful and also important because you've got to remember um, as a client, even um, clients listening to this, it is alienating in financial services. You don't know um, who to engage with, even if you had a question about something, you feel powerless and having an advisor that can engage on your behalf is extremely um, is extremely worthwhile and certainly clients know that you care. So that's the most important thing, having, having an advisor that actually speaks on your behalf and knows that they, they also care about these issues for you is, is extremely important. Um, extremely important um, so engagement can mean a variety of things I feel like my week is full of engagement so um, yeah I, I really value this question um, because as an advisor how can you put your clients capital and allocate that into something when you are not aware of exactly how that money is working day in day out you really need to be on the front foot in managing that um, because shareholder value comes, I believe, from, you know, great engagement and making sure you uh, understand how that company is um, working with all stakeholders, whether it be employees, whether it be their customers, their suppliers. So modern slavery and supply chain has become extremely important in recent years. And certainly those companies that have fallen 
really by the wayside, um, even if they're not required to meet the modern slavery reporting requirements, certainly those that we, we view much more favourably are those that are aware of the requirements and that also act proactively to make sure they are aware of where their supplies come from. Um, that's just one example. Um, so yeah, I feel that the value of engagement for your clients, and it's certainly 100% clients appreciate the work that is done behind the scenes because they, as I said, they are powerless to do the work that we can do on their behalf. So strong in that as well, how you engage on behalf of your clients and such a great way to show that you care as well for your clients. I'm sure that's hugely valuable to them. So in what ways do you, as an ethical investment specialist and advisor, engage with product providers? We engage in a number of ways. So we engage in all the meetings, obviously, that every advisor sits through with fund managers where they talk about their holdings. You know, we question them on certain um, voting um, decisions that they've made. We we ask them about um, <laughs> we ask them about their plans for divestment of certain companies. We uh, there's so many issues that we can engage with um, with both fund managers and with the companies themselves. We write letters. Um, clients also can participate through groups like ACCR or market forces um, if they've got direct holdings in that company. So we do a lot of collaboration and clients find that really meaningful. Um, and even if we don't actually own the company or we don't own the fund, we, we also write um, to them and explain what we think they could do better. I mean, I feel like we're a free consultant most days. <laughs> but for us, it's about expressing what we'd like to see change. And if we don't have that um, communication, then who, who will, basically? We can't expect change unless we ask for it, is my view. I love the fact that you engage even with companies that you're not invested in. I think that's great. <laughs> well, in a nice way. I mean, again, we are providing almost free consulting. And, and the funny thing is, and advisors would find this curious, is most of the time they're really interested to hear what we have to say um, because no one's ever taken the time to tell them, hang on a second, um, we think this. Did you know you should be doing this? Um, so they do, they do listen. Um, most of the time they actually act on it quite promptly. So that, that's probably the other thing. It's, it's very rewarding to know that you're heard and you're seen. So for investors um, that have an advisor that does this for them, it's, um, it's really worthwhile. How open are they to you when you uh, put forward this? Because really you're the voice of your client and, you know, you're letting these product providers know that this is what the clients are, are looking at now. Well, I think, Alexandra, you know, our life is being made, unfortunately, a lot easier after the bushfires and also with the pandemic because people realise that we have many issues as a civilization to face. And so perhaps it might be important to think about 
a skill set beyond what the manager already has. And often they don't have the skill set to think beyond, you know, a basic finance 101. Fortunately, most of them are building out their skill set in this area to be able to assess, you know, the task force for nature-related financial disclosures is being, you know, sort of coming together. And so fund managers are starting to think about how they're going to actually report on that. There's many ways that managers are building out, as I said, um, the ways that they can, I guess, future-proof their investments and also attract investors to their their products and services. Even listed companies are, you know, they're all they've all got plans for say um, a net zero, you know, carbon footprint or how they're going to get to net zero for waste water. It's something that's very topical for for those that are on the front foot, okay? And for those that are on the front foot, they're really willing to take any thoughts that might be going <laughs> so that they can get ahead. <laughs> um, because it's, it's a competitive market now, you know, like investors want this and advisors are spoilt for choice now. So, yeah, you've got to be at the cutting edge. Otherwise, you're not going to attract the dollars. That is true. Well, I think that these... Uh... Fund managers are very fortunate to have advisors like yourself to be able to to get this insight from and to 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 you speaking on behalf of your clients. So you you did mention ACCR and market forces, and so I'd just love to hear a little bit further how you help your clients with their own shareholder advocacy. It's quite interesting, actually. So it won't be suitable for every client, but I think you you'll know when you meet the client that's really prepared to go the extra mile to put their name on a resolution or to buy the five, you know, hundred dollars worth of Whitehaven coal shares or whatever it might be, you know, that's prepared to basically lose money in some cases to buy a stock that they might want to vote against a certain climate change resolution or for a certain climate change resolution, whatever it might be. In many cases, the clients that do that will end up with a lot of very small holdings in companies they don't want to own, but they want to agitate for change, okay? Um, alternatively, it might be a company that they really want to hold on to and they'd just like that company to do a little bit better in what they're, I suppose, greenwashing the market into thinking they're doing, but actually they want something a bit more authentic. So to imp- improve a resolution, for example, um, an example of that might be like Westpac, for example, where they're promising to meet Paris targets, but they're still continuing to fund qualified power and for quite a number of years yet. So I guess, yeah, they're the sort of clients that might be suitable for that. Other clients that are more passive, we engage for them behind the scenes on their behalf. So they'll be, you know, an active or a passive client. And you'll know what's suitable for your clients. Great roundup there, Karen. So just on this topic of engagement, I, I just see advisors as as very integral in the link between clients and, and product providers. And is there anything further that you might like to add to the conversation today? I think for advisors in this space, like I would, I would suggest that it is, I'd always joke, like it's like a second job, but it is like a second job because you know, you've got to know exactly what is held in every fund and every every ETF and why they're holding it, if they've changed their holdings, if that particular company has gone into a different business type of operation. 
you know, for example, there's a renewable energy company that we hold at the moment and they've just recently decided they're going to use a carbon capture and storage technology in one of their businesses and now we're having to investigate that technology because we're concerned, like, does that really meet um, our clients' requirements? So you've, you've got to really be on the front foot with this um, and also and then to follow it through, then engage with them um, and then report back to your client. And sometimes you won't have anything great to report, but sometimes you will. So it's just being transparent and honest and, and doing the work. Yeah, do the engagement. And so in saying that, obviously, when you go to your clients, what? how do your clients feel about this? Because there's obviously some extra work involved. So why do you do it? Um, look, they do definitely appreciate it. Um, and I feel that going forward, it will be increasingly appreciated because there will be more diverse outcomes that we'll be able to achieve from a mainstream advisor or an advisor that ignores these areas, um, mainly because there will just be more of this in the mainstream press more and more. And so it's just really, again, future-proofing your ability to, you know, run a portfolio for a client that's going to be there for the long term and robust, you know. This is just something we're all going to have to do going forward. We're increasingly accountable for those holdings on behalf of our clients, I believe, and we have a very rewarding but somewhat time-consuming role to play. But, yeah, that is our fiduciary duty in my view. What a wonderful way to wrap that up. Thank you so much, Karen, for this enlightening discussion. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to all our guests. Although engagement may seem like a second job for these dedicated advisors, the benefits to their services and value to their clients outweigh the extra time involved. Collectively, these advisors, either in their own practices or together with the Ethical Advisors Co-op, are creating real change in the industry. They're pioneering new product offerings, improving current investment products, and dedicating themselves to their clients. They are the integral link between their clients and the fund managers and the advocates on behalf of their clients. As Dr. Roger Spiller highlights, engagement is a key strategy to bring about significant change. Clients look to us to add value and demonstrate that value is being added through the funds that we're recommending, reporting back to them on engagement activities and the outcomes and the impact so that they can see their money is really making a difference, that their voice is being represented. Stay tuned for episode three in the series where we chat about the ways ethical investment advisors are that little bit extra, making them highly sought after and increasingly in demand. Hit subscribe to find out more about investments that incorporate sustainability and values and how investors can have a positive impact on the social and environmental challenges we face across the world. Together, let's accelerate ethical investment from niche to norm. Disclaimer, the information and related materials provided in this podcast are for teaching and demonstration purposes only. The information does not take into account your objectives, needs and circumstances. We recommend you seek financial advice specific to your needs. The information provided is not intended to constitute professional or financial service advice and is not to be used in any statement of advice or any other advice to a client.
we do not guarantee the accuracy, reliability and completeness of any information provided during the podcast and in accompanying resources.